welcome to a Wholesome Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy O'Neill, and I'm so happy and grateful you're here. I'm so passionate about inspiring women, moms in particular, to make themselves a priority and start looking after themselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. On this podcast, I will be interviewing some amazing people who have overcome and helped others overcome common struggles by using a variety of holistic health approaches and practices. I'll be having heart-to-heart conversations to inspire you to take control of your physical, emotional, and mental well-being. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review my podcast. Let's get healthy together. Welcome back to another episode of a Wholesome Life podcast. I'm your host, Tracy O'Neill. And today I'm bringing on another amazing guest, Leslie Johnston Wu from Leslie Wu Healing. In 2014, she embarked on a journey of self-awareness. She's a mom of three working full-time and managing, she was managing the household schedule. She felt herself drowning physically and emotionally. She had spent 17 years in a social work career, focusing her energy on helping others. And she was being shown the signs that it was time to focus that energy inwards. She began a practice of meditation and enrolled in the 25 hour learn to teach meditation program, learn to teach kids and teens and the 200 hour teaching teacher training. As she began to find a stillness within her the messages of spirit began to get clearer for her. She was led to Uswi Reiki and for the first time, energy healing, daily practice of Reiki and meditation and allowing herself to open up to all possibilities. She was led to her teacher, Pete Bernard of the Eighth Fire. She enrolled in the Earning the Light program of self-healing that changed her life. For years, she had spent her life taking responsibility for others' healing, and she was learning to focus that attention back on herself. Healing the thoughts, patterns, behaviors, and limiting beliefs she had created to meet her need for safety. This journey has transformed her world, relationships, and her perception of herself. It has opened endless possibilities of living a life of purpose, allowing herself to open up to the vulnerabilities, leave her comfort zone and live a life with awareness. I love that. I'm so excited to have this conversation with her today. Hey, Leslie, thank you so much for being here with me today. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. So let's start out with you telling everybody who you are and a little bit about what you do. So I'm Leslie, I'm a Saskatchewan girl, born and raised, and um, grew up there, ended up moving to Korea for a couple of years to teach English, and um, made our way back here to Alberta. And uh, I was a social worker for 17 years. And I, this is sort of, it, it's interesting how your story sort of becomes your story, but this is where my story sort of began. And um, I, I was in that social work career and I told myself that I would always, always um, be a social worker in a cancer center. 
And when I got that job, that was my sort of dream job. But after being there for six years, uh, something started to sort of happen uh, in my body, physically, mentally, emotionally. And then um, with that experience, uh, it ended up leading me to what I'm doing now. So I currently right now live on an acreage just outside of Edmonton, uh, have three kids and uh, my own healing practice, which we're going to obviously talk about as we go through this out here uh, in the country. Um, but yeah, shamanic healing, which we're going to touch on. Um, my journey from social work ended up leading me to meditation. So I teach meditation classes and, and practice meditation in my life, which I think is very important and um, teaching Reiki. So I really have this amazing experience where I get to sort of practice one-on-one -on -one shamanic healing, teaching um, Reiki, and then also teaching people how to put meditation into their life, um, you know, on a daily basis too. Um, yeah. And you said you worked in a cancer center. And I know when we had a chat a few weeks ago about it, you know, you want to be in this help helping role. You want to look after these people and you're caring for people, but if you're not caring for yourself and you're not well yourself, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever that is, how can you show up and be the best version yes. of yourself to those people? Right. Exactly. And, and I think that was my learning experience through all of this is that on my healing journey, I began to realize that that was me my whole life, even as a kid. I think I was born into a family on purpose where I always cared for everyone else's emotions, making sure, oh, is mom okay? Is dad okay? Is their relationship okay? Is my brother okay? Is my sister okay? And, and continuously just trying to juggle all of this, everyone else's stuff to make sure that they were okay. And then lost myself all through those years and not surprised that what kind of a job do I go into is social work where even my first job as a child protection worker, um, you know, at a 20 years old, I'm going into a job, one, I don't even have children, two, I'm being taught from the book what parenting would be like, what you're supposed to be, you know, and do. And I'm thrown into these situations where I'm, people are asking me, well, are you even a mother? And I'm like, well, no, but that doesn't, it's not about me, it's about you. And I'm trying to fix these situations. And later, all these years later, I now reflect back and go, oh yeah, it's because you thought that you could go ahead and fix everyone else, but you could not even see the trauma and the wounds and the issues that you had yourself that you were trying to you know, project on others. If I'm fixing everyone else, I don't have to look at myself. And I'll never forget my teacher in my very first class, you know, he's talking about um, shamanic healing and what it can heal. And he's bringing up some very traumatic things, you know, sexual abuse and neglect and um, PTSD and, you know, losing a pair. And I, I put up my hand and I was like, well, what if you've never experienced that? Like, what if you had a good, you know, my parents provided for me. I grew up in a, you know, home with lots of people. We had food, we got to have activities. I was like, and he looked right at me and he said, the next two years of your life are going to be very difficult. And I was like, how is that, right? And, and I, two years later, when I finished that program, I realized just how what right he was, that I was putting up all these masks and I, 
I've seen it in my job. I'd go to work and I'd be like, even if things weren't great at home, I'd put up this, oh yeah, everything's great. I'm perfect. No, no, let me take care of you. You don't take care of me. And here you have 20 year olds dying. You have people confiding, people who will never live their dreams because you know cancer has came into their life. And they're like, but I was gonna retire next year and travel. And then I would come home and I would just, blah, everything would come out because I, I always was putting up that mask and that armor that I didn't need help. I was just okay. And 2015 was the year that my body said to me, uh-uh, not, <laughs> not anymore. You are not going to fake it till you make it anymore. Yeah, I can so relate to that. I, uh, I too was always the caregiver. People would come to me with all of their problems and issues and I would want to fix them all the time. So I can definitely relate to that and uh, definitely taking on all of, you know, people's stuff and emotions and it takes a toll on you physically, mentally, emotionally, and we need to make sure we're looking after ourselves and healing ourselves. And yeah, yeah, and and like you said, sometimes we need to hit that. And I experienced that with my anxiety. Sometimes you have to go through a really, really rough time and suffer and go through some challenges to say, okay, enough's enough. (laughs) And it's the universe, you know, they sort of give you a little slap here and a little slap there. And you're like, oh no, oh no. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, here you have it. You didn't listen to all those other little things. Right. And, and now you are going to listen. The other thing that I want to share is what I realized is that it wasn't me consciously being that fixer all the time. I wasn't aware of that pattern that I was doing it. But now what I realize is that I was doing it to get something back from it. Mm. It was fulfilling me to feel needed. If I wasn't the fixer and I wasn't doing, you know, what, what was my purpose? People might not need me. And I did not know that at the beginning that it was that two way street of if, if those people didn't need me that way, I might not feel needed at all. And therefore well, who am I? Because I've always been the fixer, the taker care of the deflect, you know, the, the conflict, those kinds of things. Um, and that's, that's scary for people who've always done those things. And then all of a sudden to feel not needed because they're like, okay, I'm setting these boundaries. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to take care of myself. And pretty soon people start to pull away and not come Mm. to as much with their issues. Right. And it's like, oh gosh, why am I not so needed? But eventually you get to that point where you're like, I feel so free. I'm not taking Mm -hmm. everybody's, you know, there's no responsibility of taking um, everybody's stuff and trying to do something with it. You can still be there for them, but in a Mm -hmm. different way of holding space for them and not providing the solution to them all the time or an expectation that they should do what you say as well. Right, exactly. So what else happened in your life? And you've discussed this, some of it with me before that led you to the, I know you talked about your social work career and, but is there anything else that happened in your life or trauma that led you to this path of, of spiritual healing or emotional healing? I feel, you know, I feel like there was all these like long ways around and eventually I came to it. I'm like, why didn't I just take this way? Right. But it wouldn't have been the same. But you know what? Yeah. We all have our own path and we all have to go through the twists and the turns of life. And you look back and you realize, 
okay, I did that. I went through this. I went through this. And without that, I wouldn't probably be doing what I'm doing today. You wouldn't have even recognized that this was an opportunity um, mm -hmm. because you wouldn't have had those experiences, I think. Right. So, so yeah, I, I certainly believe that that those childhood experiences of growing up, um, I, I grew up in a very interesting family. So my, my parents um, were 18 years old when they began to raise my dad's um, younger siblings, because at age 47, both of my grandparents died, one of cancer mm -hmm. and my grandfather of a heart attack. And my dad being the second oldest in the family, the kids were 19, 18, 16, 14, 11, seven, and five. Oh my goodness. And so my grandmother, they knew she was going to pass. And so um, they prepared, you know, that these kids would be with my grandfather and he would have help. And unexpectedly, two months before she passed, he died of a heart attack, which changed mm -hmm. everything. My parents were dating at that time, which young, right? And so they agreed to move to the farm, take care of all of these kids. Um, and, and then guess what? I'm brought into the mix. Mm. And the most interesting thing about me coming into the mix at that time, and if you think about death in the 70s, right? People did not talk about it. Um, it was sort of a pick up, move on, let's go through it. And mm -hmm. I can now see, and, and many of my family members can now see this pattern that was created in all of us. All of us have these different sort of patterns and behaviors and feelings and, and things like mm -hmm. that. And I feel like I came into that family because I was the deflector. It was like, look at this beautiful baby coming in. So people didn't have to feel their grief. So as I kind of grew up in that, I can now see how I literally became that sort of make sure everyone's okay sort of yeah. feeling. Yeah. And then um, eventually when those things got too much for me, I can see my coping mechanism was running, <laughs> absolute running. And so that would mean I would um, pick up and just move from jobs or Hence, you know, had a re bad relationship uh, that ended, sell my house, leave my government job, move to Korea for two years. If I don't have to deal with it, I just run away, pretend it doesn't happen. But mm -hmm. it's, it's not the way it works. It just follows you. I've, yeah. I've come to realize now, right? Yeah, for sure. So um, it was really 2014 when I had my third son and uh, something changed within me. And I've always been the kind of person who I, I didn't really believe the word stress. Um, I didn't believe that I should be allowed to even feel stress. I don't even think I knew what stress felt like. Mm -hmm. And I would tell myself, well, you have three kids, you have a full-time job, you're taking care of a house, you're also fixing everyone else when they call you. Like, that's just what you do, right? And I was running marathons. I was running half marathons. Running was always my sort of way of keeping my weight down. It was all about that. I didn't love it. I just was using it mm. to keep my weight down. And everything in my life physically began to change. My weight began to change. My mood began to change. My kids, I don't know. I think I was telling you this when we talked before. My kids would say to me, mom, we like when your face is like this, not like this. Right. And, you Turn know, your and frown upside down. Yeah. Yes. And, and it was just hurting my heart because I, I had no idea why. And I remember calling my EAP program, that free um, program employee. through, through, yeah. Employee. employee assistance. Yeah. And 
I talked to a counselor and she said to me, oh, oh, you have too much stress. You need to lower your stress in your life. Like you've got stress. This sounds like stress. And I'm listing off all of the things. My hair is falling out. I'm gaining weight and I'm moody and I'm crying all the time. And but the thing that I found was, I was like, oh, okay, well, well, what do I do? And she's like, well, you need to, you need to get rid of stress. I'm like, well, one, I can't get rid of my kids. Two, I, I have a house, like I have a job, like, what do you do? And there was never really any concrete answer mm-hmm. for me of how to deal with stress. And so I felt really alone in that. And I remember going to my doctor and my doctor said, she went right to my weight. And I remember her saying, well, you need to start going to the gym at least an hour a day. And I was like, oh, okay. But I'm just telling you, like, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. She's like, yeah, you need to lose weight. You need to go to the gym. But in my body, I felt, no, I don't think that's the right thing. I think I need something to calm down, not work more. Right. Right. So I started going to yoga. Yoga is not my forte usually, but I really like the last 15 minutes of shavasana just laying Mm. there in stillness and I thought when is the last time you've given yourself the gift of silence and just lying there and being still and listening and um, I thought I really like this feeling I wonder what this is and I went across to the coffee shop across the road and there was a magazine and I opened it up and it said learn to teach meditation Mm. and I was like hmm interesting So at that yoga studio, I signed up for every Sunday, they had a 45 minute meditation class. So I signed up for it. And I thought, I don't even know if I'm doing this right. But when I leave, I just feel like, so light and so still. So I ended up calling the lady in the magazine after that. And there was one class, there was one space left in that particular June class. And that weekend changed my life. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And there was probably 30 to 40 people in that room. And it was all about learning what stress was in your body, scientifically, what meditation can help you with. And it was like, I I think I cried all weekend. I wanted to move in. I was like, can we just have a dorm here? Because I felt like everyone was just at this space where we were all going through the same thing and we were finding something. And I knew that that was going to be my thing to help me to kind of come back to myself because I'd... I just really had lost myself in so many spaces and I was spread so thin, like many, many moms, many moms working out of the home, many moms working in the home, just trying to do and be everything for everyone. And it it just, it's not, it was not serving me and it's not serving many of us. It doesn't serve anybody when you're trying, you know, you want to be a good mom, but that's not serving anybody, right? Your, Your kids can feel all of that your kids can feel when you're stressed out and when you're angry and frustrated and then they in turn start behaving badly and then it creates chaos right and I always I always felt like those it was selfish to take time for myself Mm -hmm. because I felt like well these you know it's like you get home at five you haven't seen them all day you better spend time with them you better cook for them you better and so to to do something for myself at that particular time felt selfish and now I realize like it is not at all and Two years ago, I went to Peru for two weeks to work with the Kiros and shaman, uh, sorry, in Peru, who are shamans in Peru. And I remember a lady saying to me, like, oh, you have three kids. Like, how did you leave them? Don't you miss them? Like, that must be terrible to be here for two weeks and they're there. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Because I know right now I am doing what I love. It just lights me up. 
And when I come back after those two weeks, the appreciation that we have for each other um, oh, yeah. is phenomenal because I know I can be a better mom and they know that when I come home, it is going to be, that attention is really going to be there for them because mom has taken her time for herself. Absolutely. And um, so, yeah, that guilt and that sort of shame around what a mother is supposed to mm. be. Um, I am so grateful that I've, I've worked on that. And, and, and I, in my work, love helping, um, you know, other parents be able to find that aspect of themselves that you don't actually have to be, um, you know, it, it's not selfish to, to want to care and love and take care of yourself. If, if anything, you're, you're really taking care of the whole unit oh, because oh. you're healthy. You, you affect with, the whole house. <laughs> it starts with you. It yeah. starts with the mom and yeah. you heal the mom, you heal the home. That is exactly what I've witnessed I love throughout that. this journey. Yeah. And it's, and has a, and I say this all the time, it has such a ripple effect, right? They're look, they're watching you. You have a girl in a how, a daughter? Uh, I have an older son, uh, daughter, and then younger son. Okay. So they're yeah. all watching you, especially your daughter, right? Because she'll probably yeah. become a mom one day and she's watching you and she, she sees mom looking after herself. So they do what they see, right? So yeah. she's going to grow up knowing that it's okay to look after yourself, right? Yeah. And, and my boys to teach them to be whoever your partner is, whoever that you have to make sure that your partner's needs are, are taken care of too, and, and mm. that they're okay. And that that's the way that that cohesiveness is going to take place when, when it's not just one taking from the other. And my kids, my husband, for sure, too, have noticed the shift in me because I was such a control freak because I was like, pick up, do this. I want this here. And I, it was like, my house had to be this certain perfect way because I was trying to maintain this control within myself. Mm -hmm. And I think at times they probably felt like they couldn't even breathe because if they right. sat on the couch, I'd be like, Hey, I just put the cushions this way. And Hey, why is that toy there? And they're just like, ah, ah. and once I sort of let go of that and go, you know, like, what is it you want to experience with your kids and your family? Do you want them to feel on edge at all times? no, I don't like the way I'm feeling that it makes me feel in my body when I'm doing it. And so we've worked, you know, together as a family, we've been working through that. But some people might say, like, maybe I've gone from one end to the other, but it's, it's just so freeing to not have that feeling of like everything having to be this perfect way. Just living in ease, right? Yes. yes. And, allowing. and balance and balance. Yeah. Yeah. So if for people that don't know what shamanic healing is, can you just briefly tap Absolutely. on into that? Yeah. Absolutely. So um, shamanic healing, the, uh, I'll preface, I, there's different shamanic healing. There's many traditions throughout the world. The particular shamanic healing that I do and I practice is through the eighth fire. So my teacher is Pete Bernard. He's, uh, some people might recognize him as Algonquin medicine man um, out from Ontario. So he's in okay. Ottawa. And um, so my particular lineage of shamanic healing comes through his family. So the Bernard uh, family lineage. So he grew up, um, he's sort of like this bridge between the two worlds. He grew up uh, indigenous community, was taught by his grandfather, these ceremonies and traditions, also in a Catholic family, you know, so he had that Catholic background. And as he began to explore his medicine, he became to realize the world needs this. And he started sharing it with with the world and hence the two-year program that I took with him. It's all self-healing program. 
So to be honest, I didn't even know what I was signing up for. Um, it was like, I was like going there, like, I don't even know what shamanic healing is. Like, what do you have to wear a certain outfit or like, you know, but I just, I felt called. I felt called. I was like, I think I need to be here. And when I got there, um, I, I realized I was like, oh yeah, you've, you've been here before. This is not your first time sort of being with this. And what it is, is it's, it's an energy medicine along with ceremonial medicine. So he particularly gives us medicine rights. And we begin in those two years to really focus on our own self-healing. And that's what I loved about it the most, because some modalities I find that people will go and they'll learn it. Mm. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm going to teach it and I'm going to start doing it. But they're, they're not quite yet aware of their own issues and their own so if I would have went into something like, you know, a modality right out of university or later in my life, I wouldn't even have recognized the wounds that I had. And I may have been projecting those onto people mm. this way in this program, you're literally stripping yourself down like an onion for two years, going to every nook and cranny of your healing. And I'm not saying it ends after those two years. I mean, I know that healing oh, is a yeah. lifetime never, journey. Never end. But there's this under deep, deep understanding of yourself on all levels, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, so that when he says to you, okay, you're now ready to begin to share this medicine with others, you know the difference when that person walks into the room of what is yours and what is theirs. Mm. And I am not healing anyone. They are healing themselves. I am just facilitating. And the most interesting thing is is when those people come in to my studio, I have a studio on my property, I can recognize already in them that I once had that wound. And the reason they're coming to me um, is not by chance. It's because I already know the potential they have because mm -hmm. I've already healed it within myself. So I already see their healed outcome. And so when they sit down on that table, I already know that their issue is not an issue, but I help them to get to be able to see that. Right. And so we work on anything physical, um, any, absolutely anything physical in our bodies. And in our belief system in the shamanic world is the physical things are always the last thing to show up mm -hmm. in our lives. So you have the spiritual, emotional, and mental aspect. If we don't listen, <laughs> then life's like, oh, well, here's a dis-ease in your body. Right. Yeah. And so that might be a broken limb or that might be stomach issues that might mm. be, you know, acid reflux, or that might really lead to something being a chronic disease in the body. So when people come, I never see it. I never look at it as a disease. Um, I look at it as, okay, something has caused that energy flow to change in your body to create this particular thing to happen. Mm -hmm. If we go back to the root issue of what it was that caused that, this thing can't happen, right? right. Um, it, it just can't live in that environment anymore because there's nothing feeding it. Right. So, and then, yeah, also working on um, emotional layers. So, um, and it's funny when people ask me, well, what can you heal? I'm like, actually, there's no limits on what we can heal. The human body, the human mind, all like there are absolutely no limits of what you can right. feel in yourself. It's just having the awareness mm. of what caused that thing to take place. And not everybody has the ability. I mean, I certainly didn't because I was so busy with my life to sit with it, have the awareness of what's going on. Why am I having a headache every day? 
oh, well, because I have this, okay, I better have an Advil. <laughs> oh, the headache <laughs> goes away. But why am I experiencing that mm-hmm. same thing over and over, right? And I call it the Band-Aid effect, right? We will always be taking pills, taking Tums. Mm-hmm. Take- <laughs> and that's, you know, like I always talk about an integrative medical system, right? And there's yes. always a time and a place that we need to go to the doctor, but yeah. you don't need to reach for the pills as your first resort, right? You can, yeah. there's so many people like yourself who can, let's get to the root cause of it. Just like yes. you said, because yeah, root it, cause. yeah, don't put a bandaid on it because if we put no. a bandaid on it, it's just going to keep coming up and coming up and it's just going to be a long-term thing that you're continuously having to deal with. Yeah. And, and I see it in relationships too. It's not just disease in our body, but you know, it's like if, if you've grown up, um, let, let's use, for example, people who grow up in, in an addicted household, right? And they often tell themselves, I will never, I have, I'll never, ever, I'm never going to be in this situation again. And so they leave home. And so often, not because they choose, but there's this sort of subconscious part of them where they likely end up in relationships Mm. with a husband or a spouse who also has some sort of addiction. Right. And so that one, they say, oh, well, I'm not doing this. I'm going to leave. And then they go from Mark to Steve. Oh, they meet Steve. And oh, guess what? They find, they continue to find themselves in these situations. In the head, they're telling themselves, I don't want this. That's their their reasoning mind. Yes, that reasoning mind. But in that root cause, it's Mm. what they know. So even though it's uncomfortable and they don't want it, the body says, this is what you know. You know how to be treated this way. You know how to be neglected. You know how to be ignored. You know how to be put aside for the particular substance. And so mm-hmm. if someone showed up in their life to actually say, I love you so much and I want to give to you and I want to take care of you, they'd be like, mm, no way, you're weird. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they just, they wouldn't even be able to logically recognize the difference. Right. Yeah. And so when we, when I can meet people like that and help them to track back to the, that part of it and say, hey, this is the part that we need to heal. I know you're not, I know you're not saying you want this. But when we can heal that part inside of you subconsciously, that's sending out that beacon (laughs) to these people, um, that way you can begin to understand what it's like to receive love in a different way. Um, And and it's amazing how people tell themselves what they want, but if it's right in front of them, they don't even know how to receive it because it's, it feels so foreign in the body. Yeah. I see that all the time for sure. Yeah. So because we talk a lot about moms and, and Mm -hmm. that, and I know there's probably a lot of people struggling with this because I know I was, and I know there's lots of people struggling with just being lost in life or, you know, people who have gone through traumas and, you know, they don't know what, is there a couple, couple pieces of advice that you can just give to moms out there struggling with who am I, you know, I'm a little lost. I don't know, you know, I think that's a huge thing with moms, right? And and we go through this period of feeling, and again, it comes down to that feeling needed, right? You're like, mm. with your kids, you feel needed, you feel like you have that purpose. And then they move into those teenage years, and we can see them sort of pulling away, and we've given all of our time and energy. And all of a sudden, there comes this period, it's like, oh my gosh, well, who, like, who am I going to be when they don't need me anymore, or they need me in a different way? And all of a sudden that internal struggle of like, okay, well, maybe I've given up my career, right? Maybe I've given up some friendships. Maybe my whole life has been driving and cooking and, you know, being part of those. And it was fulfilling. It was totally fulfilling at the time. 
But then when you don't have those tasks and those things, then yeah, what am I going to do? And you find yourself starting all, all this time later. And so I say this to people, it's so important to not, you know, even when you're, if you have toddlers and babies beginning to recognize that time for yourself, what lights you up, what brings you joy mm -hmm. and begin to do those things. Now it, you might not be able to jump two feet in or dive into the deep end with it, but just a little bit of it every day so that when you get back to that point of being able to have that little bit more time to yourself, you're already 50 steps ahead in knowing what you like to do for yourself, those hobbies, you know, surrounding yourself with these communities that might like, and for everybody, it's different, right? Yep. Um, and then that way, you, you don't feel like you've lost yourself, you, you feel like, okay, now my, you know, piece is, is this, but I still have this. And I'm not sure, I think I was telling you, like when I went to retire from social work, I, I knew that I was never the kind of person to just, to just do, be a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. I knew that there was this part of me, like the reason I wanted to leave my job was to be at home with my kids, drive my kids, do those types of things. But I also knew that deep inside of me, there was this sense that I also needed something for myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I began to do these classes and take these courses in the meantime, so that now that my three kids are in school, during the day when they're at school, I get my fill of what I love, what lights me up. Like I could talk about this stuff for days mm -hmm. and hours, but when they come home and they have to go to hockey practice or, or cheerleading or whatever that is, I get to be that for them. And there's this, you know, it's like my bucket's being filled from two spaces then. And you're fully present when you are doing both, right? You're not yes. half in and half out. Right. And when yeah. you, when, you, like you said, when your kids do leave the home, you feel whole, like you're whole on your own. You don't need something else, right? Because you have these things that fill your bucket. Like, like you said, what brings you joy, you know, yeah. whether it's yoga or meditation yeah. or surrounding yourself with a community of like, whatever it is for you. And so yeah. many people ask you, they, you know, strangers will say, well, what do you do? What's your career? But how many people actually say, what are your hobbies? What do you enjoy doing? What yeah, do you do your on your passion? Yeah, what's your passion? What right. lights you up? Yeah. And that's the part I think for people to begin to recognize. And some people don't even know. I have people sitting in my chair. I'm like, well, what is your passion? What lights you up? And they're like, Hmm, I, I don't even know. I'm like, okay, I want you to begin to recognize how does your body feel when you're doing certain mm. things. And that's the first step is like, if you're watching a show and it's about, you know, crafting and you're just like, oh, you're like, this is so exciting. Oh, I try or baking or, or whatever that is. Like, what is it for you that just lights you up? The moment I begin to talk about this, I can just feel everything in my body, the cells and they just, uh -huh. it's like pumping. And I mean, my nightstand in that first few years of this journey was like just stacked high with books. I couldn't get enough information. So yeah, do explore that. And again, come back to your emotions, you know, and just what is it that I'm needing? Am I, am I doing this for myself? Is this lighting me up? Or am I, am I doing for everyone else? Um, and and it, it takes work. It takes work to begin to recognize yourself again. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. All right. So um, I'll ask you a couple more questions here, because I know you yeah. said you wanted to do a short meditation at the end. And I'm so looking forward to that. 
I'm going to yeah. leave this yeah. recording. So, so um, just one more thing, because I like to ask everybody this question, because everybody has such a different perspective. What, what does the word, word health mean to you? What does that look like for you? For me, health is absolutely all levels. I, I think there's just absolutely no way. And I, I think I had to recognize this in my life. And I see this with so many people. We, we always tend to look at that physical aspect of ourselves. Like, am I, am I heavy or am I too skinny or, you know, physically, what do I look like? Right. But it's so far beyond the vessel. And I began to realize that you cannot be physically healthy if you are not spiritually, mentally, and emotionally healthy, because that leads to physical health. And all these years in our my teenage years and my university years struggling with diets and, you know, looking a certain way and all these certain things, I've come to realize later in life that that was all emotional. Right. And when I took that emotional factor out, that ability to just allow myself to have a relate different relationship with food and a different relationship with my body and how I seen it um, mm -hmm. had nothing to do with the actual shape of the vessel. It was how right. I was feeling on every level. And so for me, I, I, I mean, I'm seeing that change and you probably are too, where mm -hmm. these integrated health systems, where it's not just about seeing your doctor, but it's seeing your chiropractor, your acupuncturist, your naturopath, your psychiatrist, your um, spiritual, whatever that is spiritually for you. It's not the same for everyone, but having some sort of practice on each one of those levels is that container of health for me. Uh, yes, I absolutely agree. It's holistic. And a lot of moms don't want to ask for help. And it's, and it's not, and people say, you know, they're ashamed to say that they're going to see a therapist, or they're ashamed to say that they need an energy therapist or because they have traumas. It's not yeah. a sign of weakness. No, it's, it's a sign of strength. It's right. a sign of strength. When you can say to yourself, I'm important enough to be able to do this because I want to be healthy on all levels. And I think the more and more we begin to talk about it and not to say that I'm not still working on this. I don't want to say that just because for the last six years I've been doing, Oh yeah. Like I can ask for help whenever. No, no. just even a month ago, I was in a situation where I, I was experiencing something and I was like, took me, it was so hard for me to reach out to a girlfriend who I mm. knew could could be there for me. And I knew she would want to, she's, she's that kind of person. And I'm that kind of person for her, but I literally let it get so far before I was like, mm. Hey, I've gotten to this point where I like, I need you. And she was, right. she, I remember those words that made me cry. She said to me, I am so proud of you for reaching out because I know how hard that make was me cry. <laughs> for you. And, and it was not even the pain that I was experiencing in my body. It was those words that mm. she recognized in me, how hard that was for me. And she just held me in that. And I was just like, that's the kind of people I, I need and want in my life. Yeah. And, and that's what I want to say about women. And this, you know, it's like, I really want all the women listening to this. I use this analogy if you have a dining room table and you have six chairs at that table and you look around at those filled chairs and when you're sitting at one of those chairs and you feel, you know, degraded or, uh, um, you know, not cared for or drama or all of that heavy sort of stuff, you're at the wrong table. Mm. And people say to me, but what if I clear that table? I might be sitting at that table all by myself. And I say, that's the point. 
sit at the table by yourself, get so clear on what it and who you want in your life, because there's a sisterhood out there. There is a sisterhood out there that is going to hold you and take care of you and be there for you. But right now there's no room at your table because it's being taken up by the people that are taking your energy and they're not giving back. And I can now say the women that sit at my table, the way that we honor each other back and forth is that it's, there's no fixing. There's no fixing. It's that ability to be yourself without judgment and know that in those moments that they can be for you. And that's, the healing of the women in this world, because we've always been trained, get your back up, fight each other, Mm -hmm. that person's taking. And what I've come to realize in this business, there's a more than enough business out there. And there's more that I don't need to, I want sisters who are doing the same thing as me, and want to make a healthier, um, feminine world, (laughs) right, or or world in general, there's no competition, right? No, it's limitless. Like, the more we can help each other and rise together, the better it's going to be like you and me, right? I mean, we we're not doing the same thing. But it's sharing each other's message. Like I want to share you I'm like, she's spreading the word of so many beautiful women that have lots to share on a platform that maybe they wouldn't have had. And you're sharing my message. And like, who knows, maybe that might be one or two women reaching out and being like, Hey, I heard this podcast and I want to have a session with you, but it's not the point. I didn't say yes to this. And you didn't have for that sales thing. It's that we really just want to share our stories and our messages and have people hear that one or two things. And it's like, Oh, okay. I want to check that out. What is, what is this? And and explore the things that they might not even be known and there to them. And in my, and in my opinion, if you've impacted one or two people's lives, just by them listening to this message, what you're talking about, it's, it's limitless. It it is, it's invaluable just, and, and I, I was, I've come to realize just how important sharing your story is because there's some little tidbit that even if it's not the same, (laughs) it's, it's gonna, there's going to be something that they needed to hear from that. And you needed to hear from them. Stories can, I always say stories connect people. People want to know that they're not alone, that they're going through the same, excuse my language, shit that you've been through. Right. And they can say, okay, I'm not alone. She's been through similar things that I have been through and I don't feel alone. And I think that's and really that you, what people need. Yes. And that you don't have to stay in it and live in it. Right. I mean, you and I sort of talked about that anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you have a choice to be like, okay, anxiety rules me. Oh, you tell everyone, oh, I have anxiety. I can't do that. I can't do that. You're always talking from the can't point of view. Mm-hmm. But when you begin to switch that and be like, okay, I'm experiencing anxiety. Now I have a choice to be like, what is it that I can do? to take control of the anxiety, or if your home situation, like I said, it was my anger and my emotion. I then had a choice to be like, okay, do I want to stay in the mud of this and just talk about it with my friends all the time about how hard it's to be a mom and how hard it's to be a wife? Or do I want to take the next step to say, no, no, I don't think this is the way it has to be all the time. Right. I think that I can be in control of what this outcome is rather than feeling like it's happening to me. It's happening for For me so that I can grow. For sure. I love that. Love it. So how can people contact you just before we get to the meditation? Cause we want to be in that calm, relaxing state. So how can people reach you if they want to, if they resonated with this and want to get in contact with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So on uh, Instagram and Facebook, it's Leslie Wu Healing. Um, so that's L-E-S-L-E-Y-W-O-O Healing. Um, I also have a website. So it's LeslieWooHealing.com. And it has lots of all of the options that I um, have on there and stuff. And, and never hesitate to, to reach out um, on there. There's contact information and, and email and, you know, those types of things as well. And uh, I never mind answering questions because it's scary when you're like, well, I don't even know what you do. How do, do I want to pay to come see you? I don't. And I'm like, okay, well, let's chat about it. Let's have a talk about what it is that I do. If it, if it, you, if I feel like your person, let's go for it. If not, I will gladly refer you out to someone who um, might be your person. Right. Too. For sure. Um, Love it. And I'll put all of your information in the show notes and people can refer back and contact you through there as well. Perfect. So shall we start the little meditation here and we can all just enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I want to preface this meditation because um, there's many different types of meditation. And um, maybe what I'll tell just before we begin, there's a really cool app. It's free. I'm all about the free insight timer is mm. an app that you can download on your phone. Um, and the nice part is, is it has a, you can start with like one minute all the way up to like hour long meditations. You can choose guided and not everybody is going to resonate with um, the same meditation. So some people are going to like silence with a little bit of music in the background. Some people are going to like guided going on the journey. So begin to play around with it, begin to see what feels good for you, right? Yeah. Find a comfortable position. Most of the time I tell people you might want not want to lay down when you start because <laughs> what happens when you lay down is fall asleep. Mm. So try to find that comfortable position. Um, if it is laying down, just be aware, telling yourself like that you're going to stay awake for this. Um, and the biggest mistake people make with meditation is they think that they have to shut off their thoughts or their mind. Yeah. That's not true. Okay. The only time you're going to shut off your thoughts or your mind is when you've passed on and transitioned out of this lifetime. <laughs> so the idea is we want to allow those thoughts to come in and go out freely and easily. So you're laying there, you're focusing on your breath and you begin to think about the dishes. It's like, okay, think about the, okay, dishes are gone. And it's not getting attached to the actual thought. And it takes practice, right? I mean, yeah, it sure. takes time. And there's always going to be this period where you're going to be dipping down into the sort of stillness of the meditation. And then there's going to be times when you're coming up out into the environment. So it's never going to be this, this, this steady state of just, ah, bliss and Zen. So when you take away those kind of myths, I think it's easier for people mm -hmm. to understand. Now for moms, don't try to add this to your schedule and say, I have to do this for 20 minutes every morning. No, you don't need another thing on your plate. Break it up into five minutes, 20 minutes a day, but five minute slots. You're in the bathroom, close your eyes, taking a deep breath. You're, you know, in the car waiting for sock, you know, in close your eyes, take those breaths. So I really want to preface that um, as well. Thank you. And, and people can yeah. always reach out if they want. I teach for the sure. learn to the teach meditation too. But okay. Awesome. Okay. All right. So I just invite you to get comfortable. And just let your eyes fall closed. And you might be sitting or lying down. Just, I'm going to give you just a second just to get comfortable with that. And I want you to just come back to your breath. And just listen to it. 
And just feel it coming in your nose and out your mouth. And we're gonna take one deep breath in together, just a clearing breath, taking that deep breath in and letting it go. And just let those shoulders fall away from your ears and you might not even realize that you're holding them up there. And if they still feel tense, I want you to take another deep breath in and just letting it go. And feeling those shoulders once again fall away from your ears. And today we're just going to do a little meditation that's going to go from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. And just to relax those muscles that you might not even know that you're holding tension in. And I want you to do just a quick check in with your body and just see if there's any areas that are showing up for you and just trust you might feel it in your body it might be a word that comes into your mind. And then together, we're just going to move our awareness down to the bottoms of your feet. Both the right and the left foot. And just bringing your awareness to the bottoms and the tops of your feet. And just imagining yourself sending that breath all the way down to the bottom of your feet on your next breath. each and every one of those bones leading to your toes. The muscles underneath, just underneath of your toes and your arch. And just allowing it to soften. And maybe you've never even thought about this, but sending gratitude to your feet. All of the places that they have taken you. And just begin to bring that awareness up into your ankles. That flexibility. Again, coming down into the tops of your feet. And continuing to send that breath all the way down the fronts of your legs. Through those shins all the muscles that are holding and attaching to your shins, the ligaments. And just release that tension that you're holding in your calves. Just feel it melting like butter. And if you do have any thoughts popping into your mind, just remember that's okay. There's nothing wrong. Let them flow in and out. There's no right or wrong way. And just coming back to your breath, feeling that breath coming in and out. Each breath relaxing your body deeper and deeper. 
bringing your awareness to your knees. That flexibility all the way behind your kneecaps and the back of your knees. And all the way up to the tops of your legs, the most powerful part. Just let those quad muscles soften. Lengthening out those ligaments, allowing all of those cells to freely move within those muscles. The stillness and softness, like you can almost feel the blood flowing through your upper legs. And beginning to feel that breath coming right into your pelvic floor, all the way through your hips. And whether you're lying down or sitting up, just imagine that pelvis and those hip flexors opening up just a little bit. And on your next breath, just sending that breath all the way down to your pelvic floor. This is a space where we often contract so tightly when we feel out of control. And just for this moment, allow that area to breathe open. Feel it through your back. Feeling that as that opens up into your belly, just allowing your organs to have a little bit more space. Just release control through your abdomen. All those times where you feel like you have to just hold it in and you don't even realize you're contracting your breath. Your breath is life. Allow that stomach like a balloon to just expand in and out with your breath. Every single one of your organs feeling like they can breathe, like they, they can be optimal when you're allowing this breath to flow into that area. Freely giving them to the room for what they need to do. Opening up that rib cage, that diaphragm. Feel that expansion all the way up into your heart. Still allowing those shoulders to drop. The muscles in your back softening. And if your body does a natural sigh, just let it. It's the body's natural way of releasing that held energy in the body. And feel that breath coming up in through your throat and your mouth and your jaw. Let that tongue fall to the bottom of your mouth. You might feel more saliva. You might even hear your stomach starting to make sounds because it's feeling relaxed. And just allow all those muscles in your face to soften like candle wax just flowing down 
releasing that control between your brows. There's nothing you need to do. And bringing that awareness all the way to the top of your head. Every single hair, your ears, all the way down through your arms and fingers, beginning to feel that relaxation from head to toe. And I just invite you to lie with your eyes closed just for the next 30 seconds. And I want you to just witness your breath. And just remembering this is life, your breath is life. And how many times you constrict that, hold it back. Just coming back to it in and out. I'm just gonna leave you in silence just for a few seconds to witness that yourself. And I want you to finish off this meditation by just giving yourself some love. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Just feeling that in your body and all your cells. You can begin to wiggle your toes, your fingers. And whenever you feel ready, you can open your eyes, but take your time. And just begin to witness if you feel your body different from when you first went into the meditation. and feel yourself coming back into your body, into your space, fully aware. Thank you so much, Leslie, for sharing with us. I'm feeling so relaxed now. Really, <laughs> Me too, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with me today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word so more women and moms can take inspired action to show up to the world as the best version of themselves. Let's get healthy together.